As Shabbos enters, you can hear the deep breath of awareness and reflection pass through the Jewish people. Now, as human beings, we have the unique ability to step outside of ourselves and view our lives from an external, third-person perspective. And while a default experience of life is internal, we occasionally feel bursts of inspiration, curiosity, and wonder, and take a step outside of ourselves to ponder the meaning and direction of our life. And in such transformative moments, we ask ourselves, who have I become? Where am I going? Why am I living a life I'm living? And sometimes this reflection is inspired by a great speech or article, and other times it's the result of encountering the concept of death and mortality. And for others, it occurs whenever given the chance to step outside the hustle and bustle of daily life. Because we have all done this at some point, and we always reinforce the same general principles in doing so. We know that life is infinitely valuable that we each have tremendous potential and we each have the responsibility to use this potential in making the most of the life we've been given. However, accompanying these truths is a startling, even jarring realization. We're aware of the deep and infinite value of time in each of our lives in this world and yet there is an incredibly strong human drive to do absolutely nothing. And observing society or even honestly evaluating oneself yields the realization that most people's ultimate desire and enjoyment rests in doing absolutely nothing, talking about nothing, playing endless games, watching meaningless shows, taking unneeded vacations and breaks, and just sitting around doing absolutely nothing. So What's the root of this strange desire? Why are we, human beings, uniquely capable of accomplishing the extraordinary, so drawn to doing absolutely nothing? This week's Parsha, Parsha's Matos, begins with the discussion of vows. In the context of this discussion, the Torah commands us, you shall not profane your words. And Rashi interprets this to mean that one should not make his words chulin or profane. In other words, this is a general command to not speak Dvarim Batela, meaningless words, wasted words. And this seems like a novel idea. Why would it be such a terrible sin? I mean, lying, defamation, Lashonahara, these are clearly harmful and negative. And their prohibition is not surprising, but wasting words? Why is this so severe that it warrants specific mention in the Torah? I mean, it appears to be neither harmful nor evil, simply unnecessary. So the question we have to address is why are wasted words both so enjoyable and so spiritually harmful? What's the root of this? So we have to understand the power of speech, which we've discussed many times before. It's that speech is the process of taking abstract and spiritual thought, that which is beyond words, beyond finite form, and giving it concrete form and expression. When one speaks, they take inner consciousness, their inner self, 
and express it out into the physical world. And this is the very mechanism that Hashem used to create the world itself. He took that, he took that which is infinite and condensed it into a finite expression of that spiritual and ethereal essence. And that's why the Torah describes Hashem's creative process as a form of speech. Hashem spoke existence into being. I mean, our words have creative power. We cannot begin to understand the notable emphasis the Torah places on using words appropriately. When used correctly, words are the mechanism through which we can express our inner selves out into the world creating genuine and powerful change around us, spreading ideas that ripple and reverberate from one heart to another. The proper use of words allows one to express their inner, higher spiritual thoughts. But wasting words? It's taking that very gift and using it for nothing. Instead of an expression of infinite spiritual significance, these meaningless words are just that, meaningless. And the same principle applies to wasting time. Time is the tool that allows us to concretize our infinite spiritual potential into that which is real, to actualize our higher drives and desires in this physical world. And wasting time, then, means taking the very gift of life, the opportunity to create eternity, and transforming that potential into nothing. And such a lifestyle is akin to riding a train that's going nowhere, or driving a car aimlessly in an endless circle. It's pointless. Because without a destination, without creating something meaningful with our time, we throw away our potential. And don't get me wrong, constructive breaks and time to re-energize are necessary and healthy, but a lifestyle of aimlessness is destructive. And Chazal compare wasting words to wasting seed. Seed has the potential to create. It's the physical expression of one's DNA. And words have the ability to create as well. They're an expression of one's spiritual consciousness and inner thoughts. And wasting potential, though, is tragic and belittles the power and beauty of creativity and proper manifestation of potential. When one has the ability to speak words of Torah, wisdom, positivity, and inspiration, but instead uses that wondrous tool for meaningless chatter, He's misusing the spiritual tool of speech. When you teach someone a word of Torah, you plant a seed within your listener's mind. And that seed will ultimately grow and spread. And if they teach it to someone else, the seed you planted is now being replanted in many other minds as well. And that single seed can end up creating hundreds or even thousands of trees. Wasting that single seed can destroy all that potential, all those trees. And the truth of the matter is that we all know this. We feel this deep within ourselves. Every time we waste our time or our words, we walk away feeling a little empty inside. Almost as if a part of us was just lost. A part of ourselves that could have been. 
And we know that every day contains infinite potential that we can harness and actualize to create a better version of ourselves. We can learn a little more, become a little more sensitive, empathetic, and kind, work on our midos, and develop our mind and personality. When we waste our time, that moment is gone. It's lost in the abyss of the past, never to be seen again. When we spend our time productively, though, growing, we carry that time with us forever, investing it into the framework of our character. And the day might be gone, but everything you developed and added to your personality and mind sticks with you forever, becoming an everlasting part of you. And this is a taste of Olam Haba, the world to come, where you experience the joy and ecstasy of everything you built yourself to become during your lifetime. So, in order to understand why we have such a strong desire to waste time and to do absolutely nothing, we have to study the, the historical origin of this desire. Because until a few thousand years ago, human beings had a nearly uncontrollable desire for transcendence. And this manifested in two unique drives, Nivua, prophecy, and Avodazara, idolatry. Both of these drives embodied our desire to transcend the limits of the finite self, to reach into that which is higher, that which is beyond us. The drive for Nevuah is the drive to connect back to our ultimate source, Hashem Himself. And this is a deeply spiritual, existential desire for transcendence, connection, meaning, and accomplishment. And as with all drives, there is a negative expression for this desire to transcend, which is the desire for idolatry. Idolatry takes the root desire for transcendence and corrupts it, using the drive to rise above oneself in a way that cuts one off from Hashem instead of connecting back to Him. The Rambam, the Mishnah Torah, and the Ramchal, and Derech Hashem, and many others as well, explain that the sin of Avodazara, idolatry, lies in worshipping the intermediaries that serve Hashem's functions in this world, rather than sourcing the world and everything in it back to Hashem Himself. And just so you know, the statues that people worship were merely tangible representations of the higher forces that idolaters serve. And therefore, there is a potential good in the root of Avodazara. It's a process of looking upwards to the source of this world, to that which is beyond us. And their mistake, though, lies in stopping at their intermediaries, those who are merely servants of Hashem. And this is both misguided and evil. So while the ancient sin of Vodazara may be easy to understand, its appeal though is now almost impossible to relate to. In the modern age that we live in, Avodazara seems foolish, senseless, and pointless. We no longer have this enticement towards it, and we can't even grasp how one could be so obsessed with such a desire. However, this inability to grasp the appeal of, of Odazara is not incidental. The world has changed. The very inner workings of the human consciousness has shifted. 
And that's why we no longer crave for idolatry. Unfortunately, we no longer crave for nevuah and transcendence either, at least not to the same degree. And the question is why? What has changed? We have to go back to the second temple era, the time of the second Beis Hamikdash, where the Anshei Knesset Agdola, the men of the Great Assembly, recognized that the destruction that Avodah Zarah was having in Klai Yisrael was overwhelming. That Klai Yisrael had this overwhelming craving for Avodah Zarah. And the challenge of Avodah Zarah is only worthwhile when there's a good chance at success. But when it came to Avodah Zarah, Klai Yisrael were failing miserably. They were no longer able to overcome its appeal, so it had become purely harmful, no longer a source of potential merit in overcoming it. It was no longer a challenge, a risk. It was a plague, a source of spiritual death. Something had to be done. The desire for Avodah had to be obliterated. So what happened? The Gemara in Yoma, that Samach Tesson relates in detail the steps that the Anshei Knesset took to excise the desire for Avodah Zarah from the human psyche. The sages fasted for three days and nights, after which the Gitzahara for Avodah Zarah came fleeing out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, and they were able to contain and neutralize this flaming inclination, which is why we no longer have the desire for idolatry. But there's an important question we have to ask, which is why did the Yitzhahara for Vodazarah, an abhorrent sin, come from the Kodesh Hakdoshim, the holiest and most transcendent place on earth? We'd expect it to come from some lowly place from under the ground. Why would it come from the holiest place in the world? So we can understand this seeming inconsistency based on the idea we previously developed about Avodah Avodah is a corruption of the spiritual desire to transcend and connect with Hashem. And when correctly manifested, the same drive leads one to connect with Hashem in the deepest of ways through Nevuah. The drive that emerged from the Kodesh HaKadoshim was the desire to transcend. And when it was destroyed, both the desire for idolatry and the desire for prophecy were destroyed along with it. Prophecy and idolatry are not opposites. They're divergent manifestations of a single drive, the drive to transcend. And the difference lies only in how the drive is harnessed, whether for evil and idolatry or spiritual transcendence and nevuah. And destroying that gatesher was like destroying a spiritual radio located within our consciousness. Once you destroy the radio, you destroy the transmitter and receiver. Once the spiritual organ was excised, we lost the ability to connect to a higher reality and receive nevuah. We no longer had that same yearning or spiritual capacity to transcend. And it's important to note that although this drive was essentially abolished, it was not, however, completely destroyed. We still possess an element of yearning to transcend. We still struggle with the core concept of Avodah Zarah as well, to correctly and fully source ourselves back to Hashem. But what happened here was that the drive was significantly diminished. And the, the desire to transcend 
that we feel now cannot even be compared to that original desire. And this shift dramatically changed the very nature of reality. Avodazara was gone. Nevua was gone. But there was an even more meaningful and fundamental change as well. Hashem was no longer openly manifest in the world. The stage of open miracles had come to an end. In order to help us source things back to Hashem, to link this physical world to something higher, Chazal instituted standardized tefillah and standardized brachos to be said throughout the day, the yearly cycle, and the various stages of one's life. Because without open revelation of Hashem's attachment to and involvement in this world, these help us maintain awareness of that link. The Amshay Knesset Agdola recognized the importance of instituting these new structures in order to assist us in maintaining awareness of Hashem in this new reality. A reality of darkness and distance and seeming disconnect from Hashem. However, there was one more dramatic change that resulted from this new reality. We began to tremendously enjoy wasting time. Why? Because what happens when you remove an organ from the body? What remains is empty space. If you remove a kidney or liver, what remains in the empty space that this organ used to occupy is empty space. And the same thing applies to spiritual organs as well. Within our consciousness, there used to be a spiritual organ, the drive to transcend. And it was an incredible desire to intimately connect to that which is transcendent, to Hashem Himself. We had an antenna, a receiver, a transmitter that connected to a higher dimension. And this organ was also connected to our drive for achievement, accomplishment, and destination a goal-driven life, of trying to really make the most of our life. And it drove us towards our goals, towards living a life of purpose and meaning. But that was removed. And what is there in its place? Nothing. Nothing at all. Because we lost this spiritual organ, the desire to transcend, and what filled that empty space is not simply a lack of spiritual desire. What took its place is an incredible desire to connect to nothing, to do nothing, to talk about nothing. We have to understand this space of spiritual emptiness is not simply a lack of spiritual desire, what was once a pleasure of transcending the self and connecting to something higher has been replaced with the pleasure and desire to exist in a state of endpoint and non-movement. Instead of speaking to connect to a higher world, there's a desire to speak for no reason at all. Instead of spending one's life devoted to a higher truth, committed to growth and development, there's an incredible desire to simply waste one's time away. And there's actually a second level to this discussion as well, one that reaches into an even deeper layer of wisdom. The Gemara in Brachos, Dafnun Zayin Amabes, compares Shabbos to Olam Haba, the world to come, a topic which we've discussed in depth before. 
And the reason for this is because the weekdays represent Olam Hazeh, this world. This world is a place of process, a place of becoming, a place of movement and work. And the world to come is a place of existing, where we stop the process of becoming and exist as the people we've become. And yes, there is an element of process, but it's very different and it's based off of everything we built in this world. In Olam Haba, we get to enjoy everything we accomplished, everything we created, everything we became, the consciousness, the soul we manifested and created. Shabbos is meant to be a taste of that experience, a taste of destination and endpoint, where the creative process stops and you experience everything you've become. So when Melacha comes from the root of Malacha, creative force, you stop Melacha on Shabbos, you stop the creative acts, and you exist as the person you've become. However, the entire purpose of Shabbos is for us to gain inspiration in order to re-enter the week, re-energize and refocus, ready for a week full of growth, accomplishment, and creativity, because that is why we are here in this world, to become, to constantly grow. But the ultimate corruption of Shabbos is turning our entire lives into a Shabbos experience, whereby instead of experience a taste of endpoint and static existing, we turn our entire lives into one long vacation, shrugging off all responsibility and shying away from genuine achievement and accomplishment. And this is the root behind our obsession with wasting time, taking unneeded vacations, playing games, having meaningless conversation. A game is something self-contained where the process becomes justified within itself. A completely intrinsic existence of purposelessness, something that goes nowhere. The enjoyment is that it's an escape, a time outside of time. There are no external influences. It is justified within itself. And of course, games can be very productive and help foster meaningful relationships. But when life itself becomes a game, something self-contained that goes nowhere, that's a problem. And these truths can be hard to hear as the struggle described here is, is a genuine one that we all struggle with. However, we have to acknowledge this deep truth because it's only if we understand our overwhelming desire to waste time that we can hope to take back control over our lives. We need to live growth-oriented lives full of purpose and spiritual accomplishment. Shabbos is not life. Shabbos is meant to be a guiding force in our life reminding us to live our lives with our goals and destination in mind. And this connects beautifully to Parshas Maseh, which seems to endlessly list every place to which the Jewish people traveled. Why is this record so important? The account of Klai Yisrael's journeys teach us about the power of journeying in general, along with how to combat our desire for nothingness. When one strives for greatness and journeys towards the truth, there is a lengthy and often bumpy process. It's not easy, it's tough. And when one encounters this process, 
there are a few possible options for how to proceed. You can push through the journey, focused only on the end goal, despite the fact that it's painful and unenjoyable. I mean, another option that people take is they give up. They discontinue the journey because it's just too hard. And the complete corruption of this process would be to enjoy the journey towards nowhere, to forget about destination, to get lost within the journey itself, to forget about what, why you're here, what are you trying to accomplish. But the ideal is to journey towards your greatness, towards your truth, and yet still enjoy every step of the way. Because when you know you're building your eternity, when you know that every step of the journey is leading you closer to your destination, you can enjoy every single step of the process. And this is why the Torah mentions every single place Klai Israel traveled to. It's to teach us the power of the journey, the beauty of the process, and the importance of enjoying every single step of the way. May we be inspired to harness the extraordinary potential within us, utilizing the power of time and speech and wasting as little as possible. And may we attempt to refill that spiritual organ within our consciousness striving for greatness and truth and correctly using our time in this world to build up to the ultimate Shabbos.